0: Welcome to HR in the Car with Miriam Duchesne and Tom Shin of Elant Workforce Solutions, where exciting HR professionals and business leaders share laughter, insider stories, and maybe even a few tears about HR in today's world. Buckle up for the best half hour of your week.
1: Well, today we are here with our next episode of HR in the Car, and this is actually a guest I've never met before. Not handshake to handshake kind of person. Tell us a little bit about our guest, Miriam.
0: So I met Jesse just a few months ago. She is the director of employee engagement at the Janelle Group. And so, for our local listeners, many of them should recognize the Janelle Group. They are a newsmaker in our area, and she's been with the leadership team for over 14 years now. And they have done some amazing things. And so, I had the opportunity to be on a business panel with her, and she was one of the presenters talking about employer culture and what they do for employees. And she had so much energy, I just couldn't wait to have her on the show with us today. So, that is who we're going to talk to. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jesse. I am super, super excited to have you here. One, because I feel like we could be soul sisters in another life. And um, I'm really excited for you to tell your story a little bit, talk about the work that you do with the Janelle Group, and then we can dig into some of the things that they are doing in our community and in the tech sector. So I'm super happy that you're here.
2: Well, thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be on the show. And happy birthday, Miriam. Oh. <laughs> thank it's you.
0: great to spend your but birthday if, with you. By the time this airs, it'll be months later. <laughs> But that's okay. Thank you. I appreciate that your very, very will last much. Forever
1: and ever and ever
0: and ever and ever. So thank you so much. You're I welcome. really appreciate it. So Jesse, tell us about your job at Janelle Group, and tell
2: us a little bit about Janelle Group. So I serve as the Director of Employee Engagement at Chanel Group. Essentially, it's my job to help people get the most out of their careers with us. And so that involves multiple facets of life. That's including career development and connections with other employees and just general fulfillment in their time at JG. We're a custom software development shop. We're a consulting firm. So we work on behalf of many clients helping to build custom software to serve their businesses, sometimes platforms that they are selling to their customers. Now,
0: when you started your role, you didn't start as the director of employee engagement. So give us a little bit of a history on your background and how you even got introduced to Janelle and what you started at. Because if I remember correctly from the stories I've been told, you started basically as like an admin, Correct.
2: Well, not exactly. Oh, really? Okay. I have, you have not heard the story of how I landed where I am today, and I think it's pretty interesting. I started working for the Janelles 14 years ago. Wow. I was 18 years old, and I started, before we were Janelle Group, we were an educational software company at the time. Mm -hmm. Darren had quit his job on Wall Street where he was working as a developer and he had built an educational software product that he was selling to New York City schools and schools across the country. At the time I was studying to go into ministry of all things. I had no intentions of building a business career and I was just looking for part-time work just for cash, because I was a college yeah. student, and so I thought, well, let me let me reach out to Darren, who I happened to know through church mm-hmm. at the time. I knew he was an entrepreneur or something. That was like all I knew. I didn't even know what it, knew really what it meant to be an entrepreneur, but I knew maybe he needed help with something. So I reached out, and he said, in a very Darren Janelle way, "I have the worst job in the world, and I really need help. If you want to start tomorrow." <laughs> I need someone to telemarket to New York City school teachers.
1: Woof. Ah. Uh,
2: and at, a, at 18, I was like, that doesn't sound terrible to me. That's kind of what I'm looking for. I wasn't looking to build a career. Right. And telemarketing for Darren Janelle was fun. He made it worth my time. He threw in fun bonuses. His mom would come to the office and make us lunch. We were having a blast telemarketing. And that's the last time I was qualified for the job that I have held <laughs> when I was a telemarketer. Since then, uh, well, at 19 years old, he said to me, why don't you start a call center? Let's hire more call center reps. You can manage it. You can train everybody, lead the charge. And I was like, first of all, I don't know if I want to be like the person who runs a call center. Like, that doesn't sound like the the career I want to build here, <laughs> you know? And so uh, he said, just try it. Let's see how it goes. So we hired three of the squirreliest people you can imagine off Craigslist. (laughs) And I led a call center for a while. (laughs) And then after that, I started doing business admin work. And the story of my career has been Darren Janelle saying, why not give it a shot? You know, Darren and Jason and the whole team, every step of the way, saying, I think you can do this. If you have questions along the way, we're going to figure it out together. And so I started a call center. Then I became business admin. And then we started marketing our programs more online rather than phone to phone. And so I started doing marketing online. Back then it was like web banner ads, you know, it was like a different world. And so... I started building some Photoshop skills for the marketing purposes. And eventually Darren said, hey, why don't you design a software system that will allow us to track our interactions with customers and accounts? And he said, wireframe something up, what it would look like for us to put some screens in place to manage this. And I said... What's a wireframe? Oh, a <laughs> yeah. And so he sat down with me and he got a pencil and a piece of paper, and he showed me, like, oh, just think about where the button should go, what kind of information you need. So I designed this system that are that we used for years to then manage our accounts. And that was the first piece of software I ever designed. And Darren eventually, the famous story, if you haven't heard the Janelle Group story, is that we were killing ourselves to make it with this educational yeah. software product. And Darren was constantly turning down requests from people with in his network for building custom software or helping people build software. People just generally know if you call a Janelle, they'll get things done for you. And so people he had worked with and Jason had worked with on Wall Street would call them all the time asking for help. And they were always saying, no, we've got a product, we're going to make it. Like we're busy, we've got our heads down. And eventually Darren said... This is crazy. We're killing ourselves. We're making it, but not really making a ton of money. We were in all 50 states, more than a dozen countries, 10% of New York City schools. Like We had a recognizable product, but it wasn't as lucrative as we had hoped. And so he said, the next time the phone rings and someone asks for help with software, I'm just going to say yes. I'm going to take the job. And the next day, the phone rang, and they did not ask for a developer. They asked for a software designer. And he had already committed that he was gonna say yes. I had designed some stuff in-house. And he said, brush up on your Photoshop skills, we're going to Boston, you're a software designer now. And so I ended up spending 10 years working as a software designer and project manager and doing business development with Darren, going and convincing clients that we could make their problems go away with software. And I was having the time of my life. It was the career that I never would have chosen but I really, really found great fulfillment in. I built a real skill set that was a lot of fun to work with. And that was kind of the core of my career until just a few years ago when Janelle Group hit about 75 people. We had outgrown Darren and Jason's capacity to really care for the individuals on the team to the degree that they feel compelled to care for their employees. And I I use the word compelled very specifically that... If you know the Janelles, you know they, they say all the time we're a software company, but actually we exist as a place to help people build the lives of their dreams. Our written company purpose is it has nothing to do with software. It is to do great things personally and professionally. And for them as entrepreneurs, they feel it's their place, their purpose in this world to help people build the lives of their dreams. And so they weren't able to help individuals to the degree that they wanted to be involved. And so they asked me if I would step out of billable work where I was bringing money in for the company every day and build out this new role of, as director of employee engagement, where I am now dedicated hundred percent to caring for the people on our team. I love that. And so that's how I got to where I am today.
0: And Jesse remind us, cause I, I need you to say this because are you kidding me? You started with them, took a shot, just a job. And then all of a sudden, and I don't, I'm not downplaying everything. You're a software designer. Tell me about your education.
2: So I am a Schenectady High School alumni. I, like you said earlier, I don't have a college degree. My education has really come through experience. Absolutely. Um, You don't know this about me, I don't believe, but when I finished high school, I had an amazing opportunity to to be the single student selected for the the year I graduated to travel the world for one year in a ministry internship. So this program I was a part of ran for a series of eight years, and every year they would choose one student from within this global community of churches and organizations where they would build a one-year experience around your ministry interests. Mm-hmm. So I spent a year anywhere from three weeks to three months in seven different countries. Wow. And the whole program was built around my interests. So they sent me to countries and locations where I could build skills and make relationships with people that that would serve those interests. Right. It was truly life-changing. And that is part... Darren had known that about me when I returned from that. Like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. we went to the same church. And that was a big part of, I think, his interest in working together. He was like, oh, you know, she's... Adventurous and ready nope. to put herself out there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, that is really, I think, the source of my education has been travel and just being ready to experience the, life. On the job. Yeah.
1: So you basically had a bucket list at age four and you've accomplished <laughs> everything now, is what I've heard in the last you 10 minutes. You've got to keep adding
2: to your bucket list forever never give up on that one.
1: And now we understand why there won't be any F-bombs in this recording. <laughs>
2: All right, fine. Well, you feel free. (laughs) They're not going to come from me. I might drop the little curse words, but that's that's a big one. No,
0: yeah, no, it's totally (laughs) fine.
1: (laughs) I love what you said at the earlier part of the conversation where your role is to help people get the most out of their career versus, you know, being employer-centric. It's employee-centric, which is, it fits with your title. It's perfect, but it's just such a different lens that you don't hear very often.
2: Hmm. Well, whether employers realize it or not, that is the interaction that's happening. They just aren't acknowledging it. And so I always talk about this idea of like creating two-sided partnerships with our employees. I think a lot of businesses, you know, when you think about... What happens in the process of giving a job offer a company has a role they need to fill they have goals as an organization and they're trying to find someone who can help them achieve those goals and when a company makes a job offer it's because they're saying to that person essentially we see you as someone who can help us reach these goals and what we know to be true is the person on the other side of the table is processing the same thing. They're thinking, I have goals. I know where I'm trying to get. And if they're going to accept a job offer, it's because they're saying, I see you as an organization that can best serve me in getting there and building the life that I want to build. And we just acknowledge that element of it. We know that if we can help someone achieve their goals and give them the space to do that and to partner with them however we can to create the life of their dreams, that we just believe it's going to come full circle back to us. You know, if you walk with someone on the worst day of their life and you celebrate with them on the best day of their life you're in it together. It's a partnership and we're going to help each other get there and we're all going to get there faster and further and it's going to be more fun. This isn't rocket
0: science, right? We talk about this all the time and I've been talking about it even more because that's the part that employers don't acknowledge or forget about. What do you mean this person has goals and dreams? What do you mean? They're not just, you know, it's not all about just a paycheck. That's a big part of it. But I think employers are struggling with the change of mindset to acknowledge that they, we both have those goals and those ambitions and together, working together, we can actually help accomplish that. And it it just does baffle me that we encounter so many employers that just, that doesn't occur to them. It just doesn't occur to them. It's all about the business. It's all about the bottom line. And it's not about any of those other things. Yeah, That stuff exists outside
2: of the agreement, right? I can it's remember
1: true. a number of times where either Darren or Jason had spoken at the Biz Lab in Schenectady, pre-pandemic. But the stories that they would tell about how they brought somebody along who didn't have coding skills or didn't have the skills for the job, but they, you as an organization create an environment for them to learn, acquire those skills, and get to a point where from the descriptions, they were getting offered jobs paying way more, but they felt so committed and loyal to Chanel Group for investing in them and creating them a path that they would never have had on their own.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think in the early days, our entire employee base was essentially made up of, of people who were figuring out a career in this space, you know? And we used to say all the time, we don't find great developers, we make great developers. And the truth is at the time, great developers didn't know who we were and they didn't want to come work for mm-hmm. us. We didn't have a <laughs> reputation. Now we are able to find great developers, but we're very proud that we have remained true to our roots in, in developing developers. We have an insane internship program that we run every summer that has just been a real source of pride and joy for us. And one of the things that we've done as we've grown to kind Kind of double down on our mission to, to develop, not just developers, but all of our workforce is alongside of me being in this non-billable role dedicated to helping employees. We also have a director of career development, Jory Hutchins, who is just phenomenal. He leads this incredible internship program. He oversees all of our training and certifications, and he's a person that our whole staff has available at their disposal to go to and say, hey, I want to build skills in this area. Area, where do I get started or hey I want to move my career in this direction how do I do that and he builds out training programs he oversees our certification programs we have a really really cool program that we're very proud of called the certification bounty program where in the software industry there's a billion certifications that you can yeah. go for they make you look good they give you actionable skills that improve your career and they make any company look good who has lots of certified people, you know, and especially in a consulting firm, it's great for us to be able to say, we've got certified people. So what we've done is we've built out this bounty program where we don't just reimburse people for the cost of the certification, we pay them for having gotten it. We have some certs that pay upwards of $1,000, and there's certifications people want anyways. You get to put it on your resume, you've got it now, and we'll just straight up pay you cash money to get it. That's awesome.
0: That's a great way. That's a great professional development tool. Um, Well, one
2: of our core values is grow. mm -hmm. And we believe that when one person at Janelle Group gets better, the whole organization gets better together. And so we'll invest in that all day long. Like we're all about that. Definitely. So one of the things that I wanted us to talk about today
0: was something that you had brought up a couple of months ago when we were together at Capital Region Chamber event. And the reality of the situation is, is that diversity in the tech space is still lacking. And you talked a little bit about a program that you're working on and working with your organization. And I think it's connected to schools Mm -hmm.
2: to try to help address that. So can you tell us a little bit more about that program? Yeah, so it's no secret that our industry struggles hugely with diversity. Janelle Group has not been immune to that. Obviously, we would love to have a super diverse and dynamic workforce, but it can be really challenging to hire from different diverse backgrounds into the industry. And so we talk about it constantly. We're always like, how can we do better? How can we improve this? As a Schenectady High grad, I'm used to being around diversity all the time. And anybody who's grown up like that, it's fun, it's dynamic. You're around different people, it's rich. There's like such a richness to it. And so we're like, man, how do we have that? How do we get that? Okay, we're interviewing. Obviously we want to hire for diversity, But what do you do when you look at the talent pool and there aren't that many options to pull from, you know? And so we're always talking about it and considering like, well, how can we do better? Uh, What can we change? Is it us? Is it our company culture that people are not interested in and being a part of? Is it our recruiting efforts? Like, It's so multifaceted. But the one thing that we have started really doing is building out this partnership with Schenectady High where we've decided, okay, we can't necessarily change the talent pool today. And we will continue to do our absolute best to recruit and find people to bring into our organization who have the skills today. But years from now, I don't want to still be saying... Where's the diversity in the talent pool? As someone who grew up in an inner city community, underprivileged family, female, I did not have any examples of careers in tech. Not one. No? I, I called my sister to verify this. I said, was there anyone that I'm forgetting? Did we know anybody, anybody? who had a career in technology? Not one. Yeah. There was zero exposure and zero representation of girls, of people who came from my background. And to me, the I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and questioning, like, how can we do better? What What can we do? And I just keep coming back to, well, it, it feels so insurmountable if you think about it from a systemic perspective, like real change is needed. Yeah. And I think the magnitude of the challenge it has stopped us and others from putting in the effort because it just feels insurmountable. And we've had to step back and ask ourselves, well, what can we do? And what I think we can do is provide inspiration and exposure and show younger students and children what a career in tech can look like because I know when they see it, they'll be inspired.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I always joke that if you had given me a list of 1000 careers and said I had to pick one of them, it would be so overwhelming. And I would start by taking all of the technology-focused careers and taking them off the list because I know that's not what I want to do, right? Like, oh, I'm not a nerd. I'm not that smart. I'm not whatever. I'm not interested in computers. Like, get that off the list to pare it down to something more manageable. And then I stumbled into a career in tech and found that in the software industry, there are roles for creatives and roles for all sorts of people. And I didn't know that. And I never, ever, ever would have come into this career on purpose and... I would love to help some people get here on purpose rather than stumbling into it like I did because I know that there are awesome, well-paying jobs up for the taking for people who otherwise are just going to take them off their list to whittle it down to something more manageable. And if you don't have the exposure and even know it exists, you don't stand a chance. You're never going to get there on purpose.
0: Absolutely. So we
2: actually hosted a field trip yesterday to our office. We had 24 Schenectady High School students in our office and it was so exciting. It was so energizing to have young people in the office. Literally, they had so many questions. They had zero context for what we did. And we gave them tours of the office, which was inspiring in itself because we have a really beautiful space that students from low income situations, they they don't even consider office work necessary. I say that as someone who came from that Mm -hmm. world, like, All you know is the jobs you've been exposed to, you know, teachers and whatever your parents do and a few people in your life. And they have never seen anything like this. And- Their heads nearly fell off. I just watched them with their mouths open, looking around like, (laughs) what in the world is happening here? And then we did presentations where they heard from six different people who play different roles in the software industry. We were very set on like, we want you to know it's not just the math nerds who write code. Mm. (laughs) There are designers, there are software testers, there are marketing people who bring Mm. contracts in, there are recruiting people who bring people in, and just gave them a really well-rounded exposure to what a career in tech could look like.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I imagine from both the teachers and the career counselors at school, just watching the faces open up to, oh, my God, my world has changed. You know, no longer do I want to do this or Mm. now the sky's the limit.
0: Well, and frankly, you said that about the, the counselors and teachers. You need to, like, contact all the school districts and give the teachers and the guidance counselors that field trip that exposure because just what you said at that student level, I can guarantee you probably half of the people at the teaching and counseling level don't actually realize it Mm. as well. I spend a ton of time talking to organizations and I mean, I'm on the board of Tech Valley High because I want the teachers, and they do a really good job at that school. They have a business alliance that really brings in businesses of all shapes and sizes and backgrounds and industries so that when they're teaching the students, they are exposing them to everything. What other
2: things do you do in that program? So it's a brand new partnership. So far, we, we started by hosting an assembly at the school, which was a lot of fun. From there, we invited the students to sign up for a field trip. And we committed that we would host as many field trips as it takes in order to get every student who wants to come to Janelle Group in the doors. And so they were able to accommodate 24. We've got another one already planned for January and they say they've had to turn kids away from these lists. So That's awesome. um, Which we're so thrilled about. So we will host as many of those as we can. And we went into this saying we're going to build this partnership. We've got all these big ideas. We're going to bring a bounty program to the school and pay kids to show up and to build a website. And we had all these like grand visions of what we want to do. And we kind to step back and said, we don't want to make assumptions about what's needed. Yep. Why don't we soft play this in, in the sense of like, let's get ourselves in there, build a reputation with some students and see what needs arise and then formulate a plan of how we can meet those needs. And so one of the things that really influences the way that I do what I do on a daily basis and how we operate as a company is, is this idea that we will always do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is when you think about a systemic thing or, or even offering a benefit or a perk or something to someone, all the time people would be like, oh, well, we couldn't do that for everybody, so we better not. And we reject that wholeheartedly. We're like, no, we will always do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. We have this one guy on our team who we just taught to drive. He wanted to learn how to... That's great. he (laughs) He never got to learn how to drive. And we were like, well... Let's teach him. We'll use our lunch breaks. We'll put a roster of people together who can teach him how to drive. And when I pitched it to him, he said, I couldn't ask you to do that for me because you couldn't do that for everybody. And I said, oh I'll do it for everyone I can. And if the day comes that I can't do it for someone, I'll be so sorry I can't do it for them, but I will not regret that we did it for you. And that's kind of always been our mentality yeah. is you do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And again, when it comes to making strides in this area of equity and diversity and inclusion, the problem seems so so insurmountable but if you just ask yourself, what can I do for the person in front of me? That's how you make real change. You know, mm-hmm. As an individual and as an organization, just ask yourself, how can I make the life of the person in front of me better? What resources can I offer? What encouragement can I... Sometimes it's as simple as encouragement and exposure. And just don't hold yourself out of the opportunity to make an impact because you feel like it has to be fair for every single person. For right. one person. Yeah. That's how you make true change. And That's, HR
0: people get stuck in that. I they get stuck, they, in they fair totally world. get stuck in fair world. They totally get stuck in fair world. And um, so I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope every employer just hears the story and realizes that you can be really great to your employees and the returns are even better than that one-sided employer relationships that often we see in the workplace. So as we wrap up, this is HR in the car. And so we want to know what is in your roadside assistance Toolkit. What makes Jesse get up in the morning and go to work, or what is the thing you grab when you're like, okay, I just got to power through, I got to get this done. This was this is what keeps me motivated, or this is you know something I lean on.
2: Well, one thing I would say is for me, it's been a a really big deal to um, diagnose and understand my own rhythms of productivity. Mm -hmm. I think I am naturally a very distractible person. (laughs) No, you're in the
1: right room.
2: And sometimes, yeah, I can. Tell me more, please. (laughs) So I can struggle to tap into, you know, the the willpower to really focus and get things done. And I would look to, you know, podcasts or books or whatever on um, insights of how to be more productive. And I kept hearing all the time oh, you have to do the most important things first thing. And I'm not at my best yet, first thing. And I would say, okay, I have to get this content written or complete this task. I've got to do it first thing. And then I would try to pour my energy into that thing first thing in the day. And I wouldn't get it done. And then the second half of my day would be loaded with meetings. And then I didn't have the time to do it then because I'm occupied. And I suddenly realized I am energized by people. And I, my husband jokes that I have a word quota I have to hit every day. And <laughs> if I got a lot of words that night, he's like, did you talk to your sister today? You didn't hit your <laughs> word quota, did you? And, um, and so I am energized by people. I need to start my day with people so I can be depleted enough to focus and do the other work. And so I've just said, okay, forget what all the productivity podcasts say. Mm-hmm. I need to understand myself and myself needs people in the morning so I can be productive in the afternoon. So just... Recognizing that has really transformed my ability to be productive. The second thing I'll mention is my bullet journal. Are you familiar with bullet journaling? No. Oh. Tom? Tom Tom's really familiar with everything. He's like, oh yeah, I know that book.
0: Oh yeah, I know that Arthur. Oh yeah, I know that podcast. Oh yeah, I know this. I know
2: that. He knows all of these. He just wrote that down. Well, this is very exciting that That I get to introduce you to the idea of a bullet journal. It's very simple, really. I'm a physical to-do list person. I've always I really get satisfaction out of like Oh, checking too. a box. I, oh, I, I love it out every I day. I literally print a calendar every day and I, I cross things off. Do you ever add things to your list you've already done just so you can check it off? Because no, I've been but, known to do that. Uh, yes,
0: but you know <laughs> why?
2: <done> <laughs> no, but you
0: know why I do it? It's a journal of. I may not have gotten that done because
2: this happened mm. instead uh-huh. and that's okay. my brain well, power. Well, then you might like bullet journaling. So the idea behind bullet journaling is that it's not just an ongoing list of to-dos. There is, there's basically a syntax and a language behind the, like the bulleting that you use. So essentially every day what I do is I sit down, I open my journal and I go to my calendar. I won't get into every detail, but mm. essentially I start by putting in an open circle for each event. So it's a circle that denotes this is an event in my day. I put the time and the event. And then I look at my events and I say, what tasks are required of me in preparation for or after these events? And then you put a bullet, like an actual little dot that represents that it's a to-do. And um, there's other items that you can add and you put notes in and whatever. But at the end of every day, you have to reconcile everything on your list. So you don't ever go back five days prior to see what's on your list. At the end of the day, you put an extra bullet if you completed a task, but if you didn't complete it, you have to do something with it. So you'll put like a forward arrow through the bullet and move it into your next day. So you handle it the next day. Dude, have you ever
0: seen seen my calendar when I don't get it done that day? I either write... A date next to it where I know I can then complete it, or a freaking
2: forward arrow. I'm Look at you! Doing You're going to journaling, this. Miriam, and you can add a backlog so you can say you put a backwards arrow through it and say, you know what, I didn't get to this. But this isn't important right now. I'm moving it off my list for now and put it here to deal with later. And so every day you have to reconcile what you did with your day and decide, like, if I forward arrow something three days in a row, I'm on day four. I'm like, I'm gonna cross this thing off today. Yeah. You know, you have to like actually There's acknowledge
1: your yeah. own yeah. self. guilt yeah. yeah, your yeah. own
2: self accountability. Mm-hmm. So well, my bullet journal, highly recommend.
1: Thanks, Jesse. My pleasure. Thanks, it's guys. It's such a pleasure to meet you face-to-face and have conversation with you. And thanks for sharing your stories. You know, the reputation that you and the team at Janelle have built is fantastic. And if you folks listening don't know about them, get online, do a Google search, learn more about all the fantastic things. I know I've used Janelle Group as an example in presentations I've given based on other stories that I've heard that were fantastic. I use the word again. I got to get away from fantastic.
0: But Tom, you're fantastic.
1: But dum bum <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Well, I am blown away. The, I really loved how Jesse talked about how her role is really, and I said this during the conversation, help people get the most out of their career there and that they have other folks focused on developing the employees, not just from a here's your task load, right? The, the certification elements, there's so much to her story that just I'm amazed.
0: So it just... I love feeling validated, and my validation for today is, I told you so, and this is a perfect case study in an employer recognizing that it's not all just about them, it's actually the opposite, but because they have focused on employees it has made them a great, successful growth company, not just locally, but nationally. And so it just, for me, it's like validation to all the stuff we always talk about, right, Tom? About being good to your employees, mm-hmm. how important culture is, how important it is to, it's not all about you, it's actually about them. And, you know, my other validation was just the fact that I am actually a bullet journaler <laughs> and I probably revolutionized it way before she ever knew right, about it. you should
1: it. have trademarked it. I know. The one thing I did- didn't hear her say in any of those conversations was money has never come up. Yeah. If you think about that as something to sink in listeners in that employee engagement and your culture and what you do and how you invest into your people isn't just all about money. It's important. Don't get me wrong. Not all. But they're doing it. And those were never part of that conversation. So if you want to learn more about our podcast, come to dot
0: And don't forget the show notes because there'll be information about Jesse and the Janelle group and more information about how they're building culture. And you can take a look at that as well.